Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Pittsburgh Pirates Rant Podcast for Tuesday. There's still some draft picks coming today, but generally, you don't get many guys in the past the 10th round that impact your team. I was looking over the last five or six Pirates drafts, and I really couldn't find any other than um, Michael Burrows, I think was a 10th round pick. Obviously, he has um, he projects as a really good guy. He did a good job in the Futures game. Um, he had some of the best pitches in the Futures game. And if he stays healthy, could very well be um, a top-of-the-rotation starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He may end up starting in a relief role, only because he's he's really good when he dominates like two or three innings and just comes out and throws his best stuff. And one thing that Mike is working on is... Um, getting deeper into games and throwing more innings. He's never really had a year where he's thrown a ton of innings. Um, so really building himself up to where he could be a starter, like a, a, a starter that's going to eat a lot of innings for a whole year, it probably isn't going to happen until 2024. Now, do they start him as a reliever in 2023 and um, manage his innings? I don't know. I mean, probably not. Probably they start him as a starter and then he manages innings by um, either bringing him up in late June or sending him down on a break like they're doing with Roanzi Contreras or whatnot. But um, it's him and Mason Martin was a later round pick. Um, but he really has slumped this year. Um, very disappointed with Mason Martin, really two the last two years. And uh, we just don't know if it's going to happen for Mason Martin. I mean, even someone like O'Neill Cruz, um, who was a higher um, ceiling guy than Mason Martin, has really struggled in his first 100 at-bats this year. Um, he struck out more than a third of his at-bats, probably close to 40% of his at-bats. Um, he has made solid contact for three or four home runs, as well as um, some doubles. He hit that gapper you know, when he first came up, and some singles. But generally, um, other than... Um, He's been able to produce a lot of uh, RBIs, especially in his first 10 games. Um, it's generally been disappointing, um, although his offense has been or his defense has been um, a pleasant surprise. You know, he's only made three errors in his first hundred at bats, um, which is pretty good. Um, he did throw away a ball that was kind of a head scratcher. Uh, but other than that, I mean, his defense hasn't been that bad. I mean, he does throw balls. He bounces balls to first base, sometimes intentionally, so that he doesn't um, sail the balls to first base. And it's just something he's working on. So his throws are a work in progress. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard to envision uh, Mason Martin as a major league player now, you know, that he's struggled this much. He would really have to turn things around next year. Um if he sticks with the Pirates, well, he probably will because he hasn't done well enough for someone to take a first baseman in the um, in the Rule 5 draft. So I would think next year is a make-or-break year for a late-round pick like Mason Martin. Um, and next year is a year where a guy like Michael Burrows could really shine as a major leaguer for the first time. So you never know what you're going to get with late-round draft picks. Um, a couple years ago, though, the Pirates drafted a guy named Nick Gonzalez with the number second pick. 
And he was a shorter second baseman with a 70-grade hit tool. Um, this year, they drafted Termar Johnson um, with the fourth overall pick, um, who was a shorter second baseman with a 70-grade hit tool. Uh, the difference is Termar is further away from the major leagues. Um, he is a high school guy where Nick Gonzalez was a um, uh, a college bat. So we could see Nick Gonzalez, even though he's been hurt this year, probably late next year in 2023. Um, and depending on how he bounces back this year, potentially in July of 2023, as the second baseman of this team. Um, We have a couple second basemen that could stick around. Um, If Michael Chavis is still sticking around, he's probably doing it as a first baseman, and the Pirates are still searching for a first baseman at that point. Um, So, you know, second baseman, other second basemen that could be bridging the gap. Um, They could keep Kevin Newman, which would not be a bad idea. Um, They could... Um, try Tupacata Marcano again at second base, or they could try um, Jiwan Bay at second base. So as I said, second base is like something that we have a lot of guys because that's three guys right there who are looking to bridge the gap for one year until Nick Gonzalez gets an opportunity. And on the Pittsburgh Pirates, if you're going to be drafted seventh overall, you're going to get an opportunity. It's not like the Phillies um, where you draft Mickey Moniak 1-1 and he never really gets an opportunity to play um, because he didn't put up the numbers. Um, Nick Gonzalez put up some really good numbers next year, last year um, and looked really good in the Arizona Fall League. So even though he got off to a slow start this year, he struck out too much and then he got hurt. Um, Nick Gonzalez will be up at some point in 2023 and certainly will get a long look at second base. So for that reason, um, Termar Johnson was a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, I know fans are putting a positive spin on it and talent wise, everybody is giving the Pirates a good grade, um, because he's a very talented hitter. Unfortunately, he's kind of stuck as a defensive player. Um, Because they don't think his arm is good enough to play shortstop, even though they announced him as a shortstop. Um, His arm is not good enough to play outfield. Um, He's kind of like Cal Mitchell in that way. um, That his uh, Cal Mitchell bounces balls to the um, cutoff guy, you know. So as much as Cal Mitchell has looked good tracking down balls in the outfield, I'm really not sure what kind of a place he has on a team, particularly because he has hit under 200. I mean, he's another guy that's going to be gone, probably. Um, Cal Mitchell, Mason Martin. You know, some of these guys we're just going to start working through, and they're going to be gone. Um, Diego Castillo is a guy that probably make or break year next year, whether he's going to stay in the major leagues or not. Um, He has looked pretty good as far as um, being an adequate defensive player and popping some home runs. Um, But Diego Castillo has not hit well enough um, to stick around in the major leagues, you know, as far as hitting 210. um, Again, they just have, Pirates have a lot of these young guys that are hitting between 190 and 210. Um, Now, Cal Mitchell really has no shot of making it because he doesn't really have a defensive place 
they could put Diego Castillo as a, um, and this is probably what they'll do, you know, I think they'll probably try Diego Castillo as a um, a guy that roams around the field um, because he's been okay in the outfield. He's played some shortstop. Um, he's played some second base. He could play first base. Where do you need him? Diego Castillo has been okay, you know. So he's a guy that he'll he's a guy that'll stick around with this team at least another year. Uh, but the reason we're kind of talking about these young guys, and he, you never know with O'Neill Cruz, they may have to platoon him at some point. And I don't think too many people have talked about this yet, but if O'Neill Cruz ends up being better against right-handed pitchers and just can't find a way to hit left-handed pitchers, I don't know if that's the case. But in his last game, he struck out his first four at-bats against left-handed pitchers. Um, and a guy named Austin Gomber, who's not the best left-handy He's just pretty good against left-handed hitters. Um, but if you're going to strike out over half of your at-bats against left-handed pitchers, O'Neill Cruz would have to be a guy that you talk about platooning. And at some point, you know, it's way too early, but at some point the Pirates would have to get real about O'Neill Cruz as far as, you know, not talking about him as a generational guy. Um, talking about a guy, is, is he going to be an everyday major league player for our team? And if so, you know, how are we going to do it? Is he going to be a platoon player for the team? Um, or is he not even going to be able to stick in the major leagues because he strikes out too much? I would say it's probably somewhere in between. Um, there's a good, there's still a solid chance, more than 50-50, that this guy's going to be a major league player, a starter for several years on a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um who just a team that gives everybody an opportunity, um, you know, a team that's not really focused on winning in the next couple of years. Um, and eventually, I don't know, he could be considered a platoon guy, um, but it's unlikely that he would just be not given a chance. Um, he's always going to be given a chance by somebody. Um, and that's going to last probably for the next 10 years. Um I think Pedro Alvarez was surprisingly not really given much of a chance after he left the Pirates. Um, but they didn't have all teams with DHs at that point. Um, there wasn't as many spots for hitters. Um, so I, I can't see that being the case with O'Neill Cruz, especially because of his speed. Some team is always going to find a spot for him, even if he does not pan out. Um, but it's interesting because we talk about the draft, and generally you have about 10% of the first-round players um, pan out to be their um, their projected ceiling, you know, like a really great player, a first-round pick. Um, you get about 3 out of 30 in general on a, t on a typical draft. Um, now, you get more than that that turn out to be okay players, um, but you certainly get a lot of busts out of the first round. Um, so Termar Johnson, um, it's impossible to say where he's going to pan out. Um, as a number, you know, I wasn't crazy about the pick. Um, I would rather them have gone with the outfielder that was available. Um, even though he was a little riskier, um, the outfielder that Anthony was talking up um, for years. Uh, now he strikes out a little bit more than um, this Termar guy, but he is also still in high school. And we just don't have many outfielders. You know, we have a lot of second basemen. And although 
you normally would not draft for position. Um, having that many second basemen is just a little odd, you know? And if you have a guy that's comparable, that's available at the number four pick, um, you could have gone with the, the guy that was comparable. Um, but that is the Pirates' first round draft pick. Um, it's not a bad grade. Um, it's just a little bit of a questionable grade because of the position and because of the uh, lack of position flexibility with this guy where he doesn't have much of a, an arm. Um, and he's probably going to fill out to be more of, you know, he could really be the first baseman that the Pirates are looking for. The problem is, when is this guy going to come up? Um, next year is 2023, and he would likely start in Bradenton. Now, would he get a promotion to Greensboro at late in 2023? There's a good chance of that if he does a good job. But he is a high school kid. Um, so in 2024, he's still going to be in Greensboro at some point. Now, could he get a promotion from Greensboro to Altoona in 2024? There's a very good chance of that, right? And then in 2025, he starts in Altoona, maybe plays a little bit in AAA, and you could see Termar Johnson um, potentially on your team um, after the trade deadline in 2025. Um, So that's the earliest we would see him. And at that point, we would have a year of seeing um, Nick Gonzalez at second base. Um, Hopefully things are panning out for Nick Gonzalez at that point. And Termar Johnson would be thought of as more of a first baseman. Uh, I'm not sure who we have tagged as a first baseman at this point, um, if anybody. Um, and I've gone over this uh, before. You know, we don't really have a first baseman on this team. Um, Henry Davis could be a first baseman. Um, and if that's the case, you know, he's probably going to already be on your team in 2024 as a first baseman. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's not like we couldn't find a spot for Termar. It's not like too many good players is ever a problem for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, most likely either um, either Nick Gonzalez or Henry Davis is going to bust out at that point, and this guy would get that opportunity because the odds of both of those guys making it, you know, are like longer, you know? I mean, if those guys are... 40% chance of making it on their own. If you get a chance of both of them making it, you're probably talking about 20% chance, you know, um, which is one in five. So finding a position for Termar Johnson might not be a problem. You know, um, there's probably not going to be anybody blocking him, you know, which is something that the Pirates make. They, it's one of those things that they pretend that someone might be blocking somebody. And it's one of the excuses they use not to spend money on good free agents. Well, we don't want to block any of our prospects. But it's it's total garbage, you know. It's just a way to, for them to um, just to manipulate the system and not spend any money, you know, blocking someone. It's, it's not something that's talked about on good teams um, unless it's a good thing, you know. Unless you have an all-star at shortstop and you're a playoff team, and you have a really good prospect that you can trade, you know, because he's blocked. But only only for a team like the Pirates would you talk about blocking as a bad thing. And that's why you have really bad players like Kai Tom and um, Van Meter 
Um, that's why you pay guys nothing to have guys like that because they won't be blocking anybody. That's that's kind of um, you know bogus to be honest with you. You know, it's just a way of keeping the payroll down. And I think everybody knows that. You know, I don't think anybody is um, denying that. You know, even the two and a half gringos who I usually bring up in this podcast. Um, they would not deny the case that um, the Pittsburgh Pirates try to keep their payroll down, <laughs> you know. So, um, any case, that's Termar Johnson, you know. I don't love the pick, you know. I would have rather them um, taken the outfielder who was taken at number five in the very next pick. Even though he has a little bit more swing and miss, um, he has a lot more positional flexibility, and, you know, even though maybe he doesn't have the floor of Termar, um, you know, because of his swing and miss stuff, uh, he just has a little bit more athleticism as far as speed, the ability to play all three outfield positions, uh, the ability to play shortstop. Um, you know, I like the guy, you know, and it's actually, like I said, Anthony that was hyping up that player that was picked at number five, who I could never remember his name. I went to the coin store yesterday and I talked to my baseball card guy and we were talking about Michael Burroughs cards. In fact, I bought a Michael Burroughs card off of eBay um, because there was one that sold for 80 bucks, which was pretty high for a Michael Burroughs card at this point because cards are not going for as much as they were. Like for for example, like there's so many O'Neill Cruz cards out there. You can get O'Neill Cruz cards for a buck fifty, three bucks, five bucks, seven bucks. But because there are, um, and seven bucks is a higher one, you know. But because there are so few Michael Burroughs cards out there, um, I noticed that one of the rare ones um, sold for um, eighty dollars. I don't know if I still have a picture of it. Um, let's see, I do. It was a, a hidden gems shiny card and it was one of the limited edition um i don't know what what you say you know when it's shiny and you hold it up and it looks weird um i forget what they call that um but this was an emerald card you know where they only made a hundred of them or something like that Uh, i bought a similar card from um ebay and it was a um and really just because i'm a fan of michael burroughs um if i can flip this card at some point down the road for, um, I don't know, for some money, I would, you know, I would probably do that. But for now, I'm just holding on to it, you know. I mean, if he's going to be the Cy Young one year, I'm hopefully going to be able to flip this card. But if I go to my eBay purchases, um, I bought the same card. Michael Burroughs, 2021 Elite Extra Edition, Hidden Gems. Um, it still has the shininess, but it's not like one of a 100 um, it's a, um, it's, it's an autographed one, um, but it's one that they made more of. Maybe they made a thousand of these cards. So I bought this for 10 bucks, including shipping. Um, uh, but in any case, I don't buy baseball cards. It's the only baseball card I've bought in, in the last 10 years or so. Other than like, I bought some old Steve Carlton cards that will never be worth anything. I bought some old Mike Schmidt cards that'll never be worth anything. Um, but I haven't bought in any like prospect cards that some people buy. Like I know a guy I'm friends with who bought a lot of Carlos Correa cards back in the day. Um, he bought a lot of um, uh, just guys like Juan Soto and stuff like that. 
Honestly, I don't think there's any money to be made in the card market. Everybody's buying baseball cards now. So the cards that you buy right now are not going to be worth anything unless you flip them in a hurry, you know? 20 years from from now, they're likely to be worth less than they're worth a couple years from now. So yeah, I mean, I'll probably just flip the Burroughs card, even though I like the kid, you know, and I know the kid. Um, and I'm sure I'll meet the kid at some point. Um, you know, I've talked to him briefly before games, like, hey, Mike, good luck. Thanks. <laughs> like that. And I have, um, uh, he wanted to do an interview and I don't do interviews. His uncle wanted me to do an interview with him. I don't do interviews. He's done plenty of interviews since then. Um, and, you know, when he makes his major league debut in Pittsburgh, um, I'm going to make it a point to be there, you know, because I know some of the people that surround Michael Burroughs. So I decided to buy his card is my point. And we talked a little bit about Michael Burroughs because he was a later round high school right-hander, which is like um, the riskiest draft pick you can get. Um, so I'm just going to do a little bit of a dive on a couple of other guys that were drafted yesterday. Um, one guy is Tom Harrington. He was actually drafted on day one. He was the 36th pick, which was going to be an interesting pick for the Pirates. Now, the guy they got at 42, I'm not really going to focus much on because you're not going to see him until 2024. And it's not because he's a high schooler. It's because he um, underwent Tommy John surgery. He's a hard thrower who probably will come back um, from the injury. And he'll be a lot like, um, I forget who the guy is now that they have, the Pirates have coming back from injury. But um, he, he will be a lot like that guy, you know, that they're thinking about starting from AAA. Um, and that's, that's who he is, you know. But that's not going to happen until 2024. So I'm not going to touch on that guy. I'm not going to touch on the guy that was drafted out of Notre Dame who we're not sure if he's a third baseman or a pitcher because I just don't know what to think about that guy, you know. Is he going to be a pitcher or is he going to be an infielder? Um, I'm going to focus on a couple guys that we're going to see immediately impact the minor leagues uh, that we're going to get to see this year. Um, the first guy is Tom Harrington. He is a starting pitcher. Um, the interesting thing is he's already thrown 92 innings this year. So when we do see him, we're probably not going to see a lot of him because the year before he threw 75 pitches. This year he's already at 92 pitches. I would think they probably want him to max out at about 125 pitches. So we'll get to see this guy for a few starts, right? But based on the fact that he's 21 years old and he was drafted in the late first round, I would like to see him start in Greensboro and be able to hang out with um, Jared Jones, who's the exact same age, you know? Like, it would be nice if he could track with Jared Jones for a while. Um, that would be aggressive. I don't know if they're going to have him start in Greensboro. They may just start him in... Bradenton, which would also be fun. And the reason that would also be fun is because um, he could be with um, Anthony Solomedo and Bubba Chandler, you know. So either way, Tom Harrington is a fun pick, right? Um, he went to Campbell. Um, I think he's probably from North Carolina. Um, in fact, that's where he was born. So born in North Carolina, went to high school in North Carolina, went to college in North Carolina, and now he is um, a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he will be featured on either Bradenton or Greensboro sometime in um, August, hopefully. So I'm excited about that. It's somebody new. 
And the pitching in Bradenton and Greensboro is just paper thin, you know. Um, I think as we've talked about, guys like um, a lot of the guys that we had in those rotations have been disappointing. Some of the guys from last year's draft have been disappointing, like Justin Mize. I mean, we're not giving up on Justin Mize yet, but he hasn't been that good, you know. And the other guy um, that that Louisiana Ted had in his top 30, he's injured right now. So we really don't have a lot of interesting start. I mean, there's really not a lot of reasons to tune in, right? Because we only have a handful of starters in this entire system that are worth following. Guys like Quinn Priester and Michael Burrows and, you know, um, Jared Jones. Guys that we get excited about days that they start. Anthony Solomedo or Bubba Chandler. Um, so add Tom Harrington to that list. And I don't know. I would say he's more of a Carmen Mlodzinski who has been disappointing, you know. I don't have a huge hope for him, for Tom Harrington. He's more of a Carmen Majinski, Justin Mize, Tom Harrington guy, you know. But we'll have to see how he does. And that's probably because he's a right-handed pitcher from college, you know. You just don't know what he's going to do. But maybe he'll surprise us, you know. So that's a little bit of a dive into him. And then the other guy I picked who's going to have an impact on the team this year um, is a is a guy that's even older. He's almost eight, he's almost twenty two. Um, his name is his name is Trace Gonzalez. Um, he is um, from Georgia. In fact, he's from the city, Atlanta, Georgia. He went to high school in Atlanta, Georgia, and then he went to um, college at the Georgia Institute of Technology which you would think would have a baseball team, but they do have a baseball team. Um, So he has some stats. Um, His most recent stats. Oh, that's funny. Just slap me in the head. Georgia Institute of Technology is Georgia Tech, LOL. (laughs) So he's played in the ACC. Just scratch everything I just said. Um, He's played in the ACC, which we know there's a lot of good players that come out of the ACC. Um, In 290 played appearances this year for Georgia Tech, he had 14 doubles, five home runs. He batted 339 with a 932 OPS. So he did okay in college, you know. Um, I, th- I would say that's probably not as good as Henry Davis did in his college season. I'm going to pick it up. Um, Henry Davis, because we could probably still get his college days. Um, his year at Louisville, which allowed him to be drafted, exact same number of plate appearances. He had nine doubles but 15 homers. He batted 370 with a 1146. And you know what? That was in the ACC for Louisville. And Georgia Tech is also in the ACC. So, I mean, that's interesting, right? That's a comparable bat. Unfortunately, Henry Davis has been injured a lot. Um, hopefully, Trace Gonzalez won't be injured. Um, but the nice thing about Trace Gonzalez is we are very thin in the outfield. Um, I did a podcast about our outfielders, and there just weren't many, you know, especially with guys like Lonnie White Jr. being injured. Um, There just weren't many outfielders in the system that we can get excited about. Um, So Trace Gonzalez goes right in there, and he will be definitely a Greensboro guy. You know, I'm confident that he'll be an outfielder in Greensboro um, and not Bradenton, just because he's 22 years old. Now, I can't say I'm confident, but I'm hopeful you know, because he's had three years of college 
and we put Henry Davis in Greensboro. So there's a couple guys that you can be excited about seeing. Tom Harrington, who will probably pitch for Bradenton, um, and Trace Gonzalez, who will probably be an outfielder from Greensboro. And other than that, the draft was kind of weird, you know. Um, there was that one guy from Notre Dame that's a two-way player. I have no, no idea where he's going to go. And then the guys that are drafted today in day three are so unlikely to make any kind of an impact that they're not really doing, they're not really worth doing any kind of deep dive into. Um, but today is Tuesday already and we get a game on Friday. So this break hasn't been too bad. You know, before you know it, we'll be back to baseball. Hope you enjoyed the draft. Maybe you watched the All-Star game. I doubt it <laughs> because not many people do. And uh, peace out.